Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Wall Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have our live show in which my co-host, David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, and David Modulin, who is the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, will be here live as well to answer any questions. So if you want to uh, join the show, if you have maybe a comment or you have a question pertaining to energy, please feel free to call in. The phone number is 210-308-8867. Or you can call the toll-free number, which is 866-308-8867. Uh, you can also send us your questions through our Facebook page in the Oil Patch Radio Show. And before I bring on the guys, David and Jason, I'd like to tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine, in which uh, the feature was uh, Brian Freed, who is the CEO of Epic Midstream. And a very interesting guy, him and his wife, when they are not, uh, when he's not running a major midstream company, uh, they have a, a wonderful winery in Argentina. And they also uh, have, uh, I think it's olive oil in, uh, in Turkey. Very, very interesting uh, couple, a great article to read. And I'd also like to tell you about our mixer that's happening October 28th. It's in Midland, Texas. Uh, great opportunity to network, get to know people, and build, of course, your book of business. With this year, uh, on uh, October 28th, we will be at the Hilton Doubletree in the Sky Lounge, which is a beautiful sky. Uh, or it's, an, it's a bar that's up on top, and you can see the actual city of, of Midland. It's very, very nice and chic, so I encourage you to come on down. Uh, we'll be there, and we'll have some great door prizes. This uh, will be a sold-out event, so I encourage you to go to shellmag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E. MAG.com and purchase your tickets. And you can also read all about the latest issue of Shell Magazine and uh, Brian Freed. So now let me bring on the guys. David, I welcome to in the oil patch and uh, Jason too with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Welcome back to the show, guys. Hey, another beautiful uh, day in the oil patch. See, I'm having some audio difficulty. But uh, while we're figuring that out, I also wanted to uh, just compliment you, David, on how amazing the uh, issue was pertaining to uh, covering EPIC. And a uh, pretty interesting person, right? Uh, Brian, can you tell us a little bit about the... Uh... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a great story to write. Brian is a very dynamic guy who has had an amazing career, um, not just in the oil and gas industry, but, but before that as a consultant uh, to the oil and gas industry. And uh, Super smart you know, guy. Yeah, very smart. Uh, you know, he's uh, also, I mean as an individual uh, to be in uh, the one of the inaugural inductees into the U.S. Army ROTC Hall of Fame. You're giving um, away all this story. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I mean, it's extraordinary. Yeah. And, and you know, how he got there is, is really a great story. Uh, the winery and, uh, and his wife's olive oil operation in Turkey as well. Uh, yeah. The stories behind those uh, were just really great. And, um, you know, it's the kind of thing that makes a profile piece like that very interesting. You know, to to explore the the person as a as a as a complete person rather than just this 
dynamic executive. Yeah, and did I mention Epic? So he's not running a small company. It's a $5 billion company. So Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, he's he's definitely talented. Well, Jason, I don't want to leave you out of this. Um, we have a great show lined up today because there is a lot going on. Yeah, David returned from his vacation. Uh, <laughs> Jealous went on a cruise, uh, him and his lovely <laughs> wife, and he's like, gee whiz, when I came back, it seems like the world has changed in, in yeah. less than two weeks. So we're looking forward to you know, getting into this with, with you. Um, before we get started, though, Jason, tell us just a little bit about the Alliance uh, for new listeners. Uh, what is it? What, what's the mission of the Alliance? Sure. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers is a 91-year-old trade organization representing the upstream oil and gas industry, particularly family-run operations and producers um, across Texas. Uh, we've had a, a strong track record of advocating for these smaller producers in Austin and in Washington, D.C. Keep up with it at texasalliance.org, and and we're very active in social media, too. So uh, that's certainly a new uh, field of of focus for us, and and so we've been putting a lot of information out there and just got back from Washington, D.C. about two weeks ago. That's right. That's right. And you did great. I mean, you were actually talking to some key people that we needed to talk about um, in this uh, 3.5, you know, ginormous build that uh, has been trying to get through. A lot of it was going to affect the oil and gas industry. And of course, you guys are down there trying to, to, you know, get some or work through some issues that would really harm the oil and gas industry. I want to get into that. So um, before we get started on some of the questions that have come in, I want to take a caller one, Joe. Uh, one of our favorite fans from in the woodlands. Joe, thank you for joining us today. And what is your question or comment for us today? Hey, Kim. All I heard earlier was turkey and olive oil. <laughs> yes. I just, I've got to get that recipe. Well, you know, you can go to shellmag.com and get a, a free digital issue of Shell Magazine and you can read all about it. Of course. Yes, it sounds very interesting. But, uh, you know, with this uh, supply chain crisis, uh, how much of this do you think is actually a purposely created crisis, you know, as usual, or maybe a crisis due to the greed regulations out in California and some of the uh, ports, you know, along with the Biden administration. And uh, I know right now in England, they're having a difficult time getting their gasoline, known as Mm -hmm. petrol over there, to a lot of their service stations. So I it's like the entire world is falling apart with this. In but. just two weeks. <laughs> That's what yeah. Kevin said, in just two weeks. Um, Jason. That, uh, oh, go ahead, Jason. No, go ahead, both of you, either one of you guys. What is going on with... Uh, with well, it, it, it's kind of a dual factor for uh, uh, Europe and, and in particular the United Kingdom. I mean, they uh, are down about 100,000 truck drivers. Um, uh, last report I saw, which is just astronomical, uh, that amount of labor shortage in their country and the inability to move things around. They've mobilized their military in order to move critical energy supplies, and in particular, the, the petrol you were mentioning. Um, but then on the heels of that, they've got a, a pretty aggressive decarbonization policy that uh, I think has run its course. Uh, they had uh, multiple coal facilities that were due to be shuttered, and now they've reopened those. Um, they're, they're heavily dependent on, on more natural gas, more coal, more oil. Um, and right now they're going to get that from Russia, it seems. Um, so we're, we're seeing a true crisis 
uh, going into a very projected cold winter. Um, I don't know if it's, uh, if it's purposeful, but it's certainly going to be disastrous. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say necessarily it's purposeful, but, 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 but so much of it is self-inflicted wounds, right? I mean, so much of it's being caused by, by, by you know, everybody says, well, it's COVID, right? That's the standard excuse for everything. Now, well, it's not COVID. It's the government's response to COVID. We need to be clear about that. It's not, it's not COVID. It's how the government has responded to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big reason why they're short 100,000 truck drivers is, is because of all the COVID restrictions that the government has implemented. And, and, and in California, one of the reasons they're so, so short, well, there's two reasons. Uh, they're very short of truck drivers in California, too. Uh, one, because uh, of, a, of a new uh, emissions restriction bill that they put into effect last year in the middle of a global pandemic. Uh, in California that prevents about half of the long haul trucks in the country from even entering the state. Uh, And second, because of a union pushed uh, bill that it it basically is outlawing uh, individual owned trucking firms from operating in that state. So, you know, Joe Biden can can say, you know, tell the ports to work 24 seven all they want to. But all they're going to do is offload the containers into the port, and they're just going to sit there because there's no trucks to take them away. Um, it's crazy. And what's ultimately going to happen is all these ships, instead of going to California, are going to go through the Panama Canal from China and into Texas and, and Florida ports instead. I mean, that's what's going to happen ultimately. Well, and that does sound like a solution when, you know, thinking about why would they um, – how. Surely they have run traps and, and figure out if trucking is the number one way that they're filling up the shelves. And we see that all the shelves are, are, you know, blank. There's nothing on these shelves. And there's discussion that poor kids are going to miss Christmas and stuff. I mean, it's doom and gloom. I would have <laughs> thought that, uh, you know, I mean, I don't see how a parent has an excuse for why Santa Claus didn't make it. He ran out of gas. I'm, you know, I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> Santa Claus didn't have a truck driver. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying, I, I would have thought that they would have ran this through. Uh, and what happens? How do we get this to market? And if it's the trucking and we outlaw it to these degrees, then how in the world does that benefit the port, uh, you know, over there and the citizens and, of course, everything that goes along with this train wreck that's happening? When we, we're going to, Joe, thank you for, for asking that question. Great but question. when we get back from break, I think it's worth having a really drilled down conversation on really what's happening in Europe because they truly are having an energy crisis. And I think that our listeners need to really understand, Jason, you said it best, This or maybe David, this is self-inflicted and are we mm-hmm. on that path too? And hopefully we're not because I think that we've gotten the attention of the Biden administration as far as look, look to Europe and you see we're in line, we're in, we're in this line for the same thing to happen here. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show and we'll be right back.
The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. Remember this name, Oilfield Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Oilfield Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923, and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. This is our live show from San Antonio, Texas, in which my co-host, David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, and Jason Modulin, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, uh, are here to take your calls. So if you want to join the show, join the energy discussion, please call 210-308-8867 or go to our Facebook page, In the Old Patch, uh, and send us a question, and we'll be happy to read it uh, and get an answer for you. Now, guys, before the break, uh, our caller Joe was asking about, um, you know, the crisis that's happening in Europe. And and David, I want to give you a moment because you came back from vacation and you were like, you know, what the heck just happened? Like, (laughs) there are so many things. uh, Let's try to list them of like, uh, there are a lot of things happening right now, a lot of moving parts, especially in in oil and gas. And Jason, I want you to give us an update on what was happening, you know, while you were in D.C. David, go through the list so our listeners understand like the amount of, of stuff that's happening that's put the Biden's uh, approval rating uh, at 36%. I mean, it's bad. He, yeah, he's got some it's, issues. Uh, it's a lot. I, you know, on energy in Europe, um, it, the, the governments in those countries, not every one of them, but, uh, you know, probably eight or 10 of the, the EU countries and, and, of course, the UK as well, uh, have spent the last decade uh, decommissioning natural gas and coal-fired power plants uh, in, their, in their electricity generation sector and trying to replace all that lost energy uh, from reliable 24 seven fossil fuels that run all the time with windmills and solar panels, mainly windmills that that only, you know, run when the wind blows. Well, the wind stopped blowing in Europe this year for whatever reason, I'm not smart enough. I'm not a meteorologist. I don't know why. And it doesn't matter why the wind stopped blowing. And so uh, suddenly, there's not enough electricity being generated in in countries like Germany and France and Spain and and England and on and on. So uh, these governments have been scrambling around uh, over the last several weeks, 
uh, trying to recommission their decommissioned natural gas plants first. And then when they realize they're not going to be able to get enough natural gas to fire all those natural gas plants quickly enough, then now they're recommissioning their coal plants and starting them back up again. And now they're all starting to realize, well, we let our coal stockpiles uh, deteriorate over the last decade, so we don't have enough coal either. So the next thing they have to do is scramble around uh, and try to get coal imports from the United States and Brazil and other places. And and they're trying to get more LNG, liquefied natural gas, from the United States and Qatar and trying to convince uh, Vladimir Putin to send more natural gas into Europe uh, from, from Russia. And Putin is responding or initially responded by actually restricting the amount of gas so the price would go way up. <laughs> it's, you know, it's just this comedy of errors all caused by insane policy decisions. Okay, that's, that's really what they have been. You can't replace energy generated by these high density fuel sources like natural gas and coal with energy generated by intermittent, unreliable sources mm -hmm. like wind and solar. You just can't do it. It defies the laws of physics and thermodynamics. And everybody's been telling those governments this for a decade now. And no one's and so, listening. Well, that's, Jason. So here we have the crisis. So, Jason, what is, what is um, stirring these elected officials to not listen to reason and to – is? To, and to keep pushing this agenda, what do, what do you what does the energy sector think is happening behind the scenes? Why, where are they motivated to do something they know that doesn't work? Yeah, I mean it, it's uh, a large part in politics. Uh, their politics has driven them to pursue decarbonization strategies, and then and then they poured gasoline on that fire by by getting rid of their nuclear facilities as well in Germany, um, uh, and they have become heavily dependent on the wind blowing. And um, when it is a beautiful 72 degree day, like it is here in Austin, Texas, and the wind is blowing, uh, you're doing great. You can turn off that AC, you can rely on that wind turbine to power your needs, um, but that's not the way it is every day. Uh, and it's certainly not the way it's gonna be as we're going into to what everyone says is going to be a very cold winter. Um, and so factories in Europe, uh, uh, jobs and retail and labor, they, they are, are shutting down in order to stockpile uh, some of these inventories that they know they're going to be needed um, going into this winter. And, and um, you know, we thought these COVID shutdowns were bad, but just imagine uh, uh, the government saying uh, prices have gotten too high, so you're not going to work for a couple of weeks. Um, That's it, nuts. That's insane. It's nuts. It's nuts. So, it is, yeah. so what could, ha I mean, so we're heading for this path too, because it doesn't, it seems like this administration in the name of climate change is, is pushing and pushing, but they're pushing really fast. Um, and I want to say we on the show, no one here is against climate uh, change, if you will. We're not, we're not climate deniers that nothing's happening in the sense of the climate's always changing. It's more of, can you do it in a responsible way? Can you do it in a way that makes sense? And what we're seeing right now is, you know, the gas pedal is, is, is full accelerating or on acceleration. And <clears throat> we're starting to see problems. The amount of increase that we're going to see in our utility bills this winter is mind-boggling. On top of that, they're also saying we'll have some times that maybe we don't even have enough access to uh, service our needs. And so that means sometimes we might even have blackouts. And to think that this is probably not necessary because uh, once again, now our elected officials are, are following, it seems like the same path 
that Europe is, and and now we see some movement from uh, the Biden administration of uh, talking to energy companies when the plea uh, that they asked of OPEC Plus, could they please um, open the spigot and uh, OPEC said no. Now the Biden administration is coming back to the oil and gas folks and asking them, what can we do? Which I think it's a great opportunity to start some negotiations and, and help enlighten this administration to what's really common sense policies. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to get back on the Biden administration here more locally. You're listening to an oil patch radio show and we'll be right back. Hey you, do you want to join the fastest growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? Teak is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash teak and click on the join link enter your information and we'll get you set up join the texas energy advocates coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today shale oil and gas business magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing our digital advertising services include website email radio video and social media shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management visit our website shalemag.com once again that's shale s-h-a-l-e mag m-a-g dot com And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. This is our live show. So if you want to join the energy conversation, I encourage you to call 210-308-8867. So Jason and David, before the break, we were talking about the Biden administration. You know, his polls are, are, the poll numbers are showing that I think everybody is waking up to the unpopular um, policies that he is uh, putting in place. Rather, it's crisis at the border. We have inflation occurring, and the oil and gas sector is also, uh, people are feeling it in the way of the pump, and they're paying more at grocery stores, which, you know, it comes back to just simple what supply and demand, and I think people are now, you know, understanding that these policies are, are really having a negative in, uh, impact on their lives. David, I know that you kind of have uh, a question pertaining to, like, the gas prices and higher uh, utility bills, so you want to ask Jason, like, What's well, yeah, I mean, Jason, we're, we're, um, you know, the price of natural gas has doubled this year and, uh, natural gas, uh, accounts for about half the power generation in Texas and about 40% of the power generation nationwide. People are not generally aware of that, but that's true. Um, so I, I suspect we're going to have higher utility bills, uh, this winter, not just for home heating, you know, your gas bill, but also for your electricity bill. And I, I, you know, I mean, doesn't that really impact the poorest in our society the worst? I mean, it hits them the hardest, right? It's kind of a regressive tax. You're absolutely right. Just uh, borrowing numbers directly from the Biden administration this week, EIA forecast uh, American households are going to spend 54 percent more 
on propane, 43% more on heating oil, 30% more on natural gas, and 6% more on electric heating this winter. Um, and you're absolutely right. Low-income Americans pay approximately 10 to 15% of their income directly on energy costs, whether it's fuel, home heating, or, or electricity costs. Um, add on to that just the inflationary pressures we've seen across the board, certainly at the grocery store, but in other areas uh, uh, as we're doing our shopping or paying rent or, or, or uh, just engaged in services, everything is more expensive. And that's because our energy inputs have become more expensive. Our petrochemicals are more expensive. Um, and this is really due to some policies that have constrained the supply of affordable, abundant American natural gas. Well, Jason, yeah, oh, go ahead. Go, no, ahead go ahead, David. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I mean, just, you know, the, the other thing, of course, is gasoline at the pump. Uh, as all prices have gone up, gasoline at the pump is more expensive and diesel, which, you know, is what most of these trucks run on, about 99% of them. So, you know, I, I think that that's a really important point that everyone needs to understand is that uh, these transportation costs are a big driver of the prices you pay for everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally right. everything, right? Yeah, I mean, highest prices in seven years and, and uh, uh, anywhere from a dollar to a dollar fifty in the average price of a gas, gallon of gasoline has risen in the past nine months. Um, it, it's, it's really astounding. Um, uh, and we talked about the price of natural gas and, and you're looking at about a $5 MMBTU here in the United States, but there are parts of this country that aren't able to tap into that gas supply. It, yeah. it, it, and so you've got New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts that relies <laughs> heavily on Atlantic spot prices. And, and, and right now Europe's paying 25 to $30 in MMBTU. Yeah. And so it just, it's awful to see uh, neighboring states um, uh, be able to take advantage of Pennsylvania and the Haynesville there and, the, and just the prolific uh, natural gas production that we have in, in the Northeast and Appalachia. Um, but then you've got states that have denied pipelines into their state and they rely on Trinidad and Tobago and, and uh, when we Russia. Have Yep. When we have so much of an abundance here, it's it's absolutely mind-boggling. Um, I know we have a, a phone line we got to get to. We're going to take a break real quick. When we come back, Bruce, you're up next. I also want to get on to the topic of China and, of course, Japan and Korea. There's some uh, things happening out there, too, that we should be discussing as well. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Remember this name, Oilfield Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Oilfield Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210 210- 471-1923 and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. And 
we're back. You're listening to on the Oil Patch Radio Show. This is our live show. If you want to join in on the energy discussion, please call 210-308-8867. Barry, let's go to Bruce in San Antonio, Line 1. Bruce, are you there? And what is your question? Yes. Well, welcome real to In the quick. Oil Patch. Real real quick. Uh, sure. A couple of three years ago, you, you would hear a lot about, a couple of three years ago before the pandemic, when the Permian was red hot, you, you heard a lot about uh, uh, lack of pipeline, but you also heard a lot about wells that were drilled but not completed. Now you never hear about people talking about wells that are drilled but not completed. I was wondering what the status of that is now, and, and more importantly, what's the significance? Jason? Yeah, great question, Bruce. Uh, uh, we've installed a lot of pipeline capacity over the past three years. It's the single uh, greatest factor in reducing our methane emissions and our flaring across the state. Uh, uh, the latest numbers from the Railroad Commission said that it's 0.57% is what's being flared in the state. That's, that's a, a leader uh, both here in the United States and globally, um, uh, Texas is doing it more efficient than every other producing region. Um, and then you talked about ducks, those drilled and uncompleted wells. Uh, we've been cutting into that pretty significantly uh, over the past couple of years um, because there are less drilling rigs out there um, uh, and, and companies are able to tap into those reserves uh, by getting frack crews out into the field and bringing those wells online. Um, it, it's uh, it, it's almost disappointing to see though, we'd, we'd certainly like to see a lot more rigs operating. Uh, the latest number is about 250 rigs in the state of Texas. And, and that's down from 400, right, David, which was kind of the peak uh, a few years ago. Yeah, actually um, we had over 400 in the Permian alone and over 600 across the state at one point. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's still way down. Very Great question, Bruce. Yeah, it was. Uh, let's go on to Bruce in Houston. Uh, Bruce, line two. Um, Barry, let's get him on. Bruce, are you there? Bruce Houston. And thank you, Bruce San Antonio, for calling in. Yes, I'm here. Okay, what is your question for the guys, for uh, Jason and David? Yes, my question is, um, is $80 of, for oil for a barrel, is that a good thing for the industry, do you think? Well, um, I, I'm going to, you know, let the guys answer this, but ha, when y'all answer it, we have not seen this price in how many years? I mean, to see it this high is a, it, it's a really uh, strange. Since what, 2014? 2014, yeah. 2014. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, uh, it, it's certainly a helpful price for the industry. Uh, we haven't quite seen the level of drilling activity that you would expect to see. At this price point, uh, we still have a lot of constraints in place, whether they're capital constraints or simply the level of uncertainty from this administration and from what we're going to see out of COP26 out of Glasgow at the end of the month. Um, if oil and gas is going away um, in five years or 15 years or 30 years, uh, why would a company invest in a pipeline? Why would a company invest in a new field? Um, and, and so those are the constraints in place right now um, on these companies that, that some of which have to justify to their shareholders uh, why they're spending that money. Yeah, I, and I, I would just add that uh, while it's good from a financial standpoint in the short term, um, it's not good in the long run uh, because it, it 
two of two factors. It, it just kills your public image with the public. Every time a person goes in to fill their gas tank, you know, in their car up and, and just, you know, the, it's costing them so much more money, even though the, you know, these companies that produce the oil and gas don't really control that price at the pump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second thing is it, it can com- kill demand. It, it, it can lead to demand destruction for the products uh, that are made from oil and gas. And so it's, it's a real mixed bag for the industry. And as Jason said, you know, we, we are in such a capital constrained world right now because these uh, environmentally focused investors uh, are basically intimidating the corporate producers, management teams into not going out and drilling more. Um, and that's a real sad state of affairs in and of itself that I probably shouldn't say much more about, but, uh, but, you know, it's, it's just, we're, we're not really deriving the benefits from that higher price that we normally would, because I mean, normally in this price environment, you would have expected over the last, since August 1st, say you would have expected another 200 rigs to have come onto the market and be activated and start drilling. Instead, we've had about 80. Uh, and that's because of the capital constraints. And so uh, that denies the public the increase in supply, which would then lower prices, right? And so every issue we talk about, the root cause of these problems, the root cause of the higher prices and the higher costs at the pump and everything, and in your grocery stores, is environmentalist policy mm-hmm. and the pressure coming from these radical left-wing environmentalists to do away with fossil fuels and replace them with solar panels and windmills. That is the root cause of everything we've talked about today. And we only have an hour, so we can't get into all details. Well, and I, and I do want to say before we get flooded with, um, you know, emails saying, well, you know, climate change is important. Again, we know it and no one's denying it, but there's a, a big difference is, you know, you have to understand that if you're going to go down this road and that quickly, then you're going to have some growing pains that are really going to hurt a lot. And this is why I think the Biden administration's uh, popularity numbers are down. People don't like these high prices. Uh, And if you have other countries uh, that are on other other parts of the world that have absolutely no policies in place for climate change, you have to start thinking, wait a minute, why are we carrying the brunt? A, a, A couple of countries are carrying the brunt for everybody else in the world. And it doesn't work that way. So we want to really start having good conversations, truthful conversations. Then why isn't some of these other countries looking at their policies as well? We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. 
SR Trident is a veteran-owned and operated industrial construction company. Established in 2012 by co-founders Stephen Snyder and Ryan Berthold, SR Trident has positioned itself as an expert in the industrial construction sector. With mounting business expansions, they've assembled a team of skilled, experienced, and able individuals who are dedicated to meeting client needs as they evolve. SR Trident's safety record is impeccable as they've won a number of awards, including the ABC National Safety Excellence Award in 2020. With exceptional leadership and experience driving their gains, SR Trident can tackle any project and are ready to let their talent be the driving force in the energy industry. Call today, 361-776-2662 or visit online at srtrident.com to request a bid proposal today. We're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today, David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, and Jason Modlin, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Uh, guys, I want to I want to uh, try to get to China because there's some some moving situ- there's some moving parts there. But I, I want to finish with the Biden administration, and part of it is because I want y'all's opinion. What is happening? I mean, we have uh, if you attend a soccer game, a football game, uh, they're uh, having chants pertaining to Joe Biden. I won't go into it because, you know, we, we can't really mention what they're saying. Uh, and it is a family show, Kim, you know. <laughs> yes. Let's, go Brandon. Yeah. Let's, go, Let's Brandon. go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon, yeah. Um, the FCC, you know, has things to say about that. <laughs> that's Look, right. I, I, I honestly, I, I, I wish the president well. I certainly hope that um, uh, he can be successful in leading this country, not in his policies that he proposes, but in advancing the American people. That's what we all want from this president. And, and certainly from an oil and natural gas perspective, we have the ability to lower emissions both in this country and across the world mm-hmm. by replacing dirtier fuels with natural gas. I, I imagine a world where President Obama, Obama excuse me, President Biden, <laughs> President Biden goes into to this uh, European uh, climate change conference at the end of the month and says, we have the fuel and the energy resources to advance this world to lower our emissions and and we're going to take the constraints off and be able to export this energy around the world to help india to help china to help africa um and and get there while also meeting some climate goals um uh, we can certainly be a part of that america's oil and natural gas community and and and, uh, industry but if it's just simply going to be um, that we need tax increases, that we need higher government spending proposal. A brand new study out of Nature magazine said that it's going to cost every American in this country $11,000 to be net zero by 2050. Um, contrast that with America's oil and natural gas has provided a uh, family of four with a tax cut of $2,500 a year by reducing their energy costs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think people turn away from that. Um, and obviously that's where you see the poll numbers uh, and, and and potentially that's where you see the elections next year. Well, I say you run for office, you'd have my vote, Jason. Yeah. You seem to have the answer. And it is a pretty, I mean, it's not simple, but it kind of is simple. Um, David, the $3.5 trillion 
uh, dollar budget reconciliation bill. Jason, I know you were in D.C. talking to um, uh, a couple of the representatives down there. Let's get into that. Where is this at? Is this going to go? Because there's a lot of painful regulation in there for the energy industry, correct? And rewarding unreliable such as wind and solar. And again, I'm not against them. It's just if you if we have a snowstorm, they, they freeze up. So that doesn't work. If the wind stops blowing or the sun isn't shining. And we need to think about those things uh, as we look at are they, how reliable are they. So, uh, David, what do you think? The 3.5, is it going to go through? And Jason, how impactful do you think the alliance was when you went to D.C.? Well, I think uh, it, it's going to be a lower top line number. Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema are making sure of that. Uh, it'll be something around $2 trillion, uh, which is still a crazy A lot number. of money. We, we talk about trillion dollars all of a sudden as if, as we talked about a billion dollars 10 years ago. Um, the, these numbers are not sustainable. Bills like this, we can't keep doing two, three, four bills like this every year. Uh, or we're just bankrupting, you know, uh, I don't know how many future generations of this country, we, we can't do it. And uh, so it's going to come down. The question is going to be what gets kicked out of the bill. I know Manchin is very much opposed to some of the, the giveaways to wind and solar who have become the favorite industries of this administration and the Democratic Party in general. Um, and so I suspect some of that might come out, but I also suspect Jason has a better idea of all that than I do since he just got back from there. So Jason, why don't you, uh, tell us what you think? Well, I, I, we did have a lot of good meetings, uh, uh, both with house democratic staff and then also was able to catch, uh, uh, Joe Manchin and our two senators, um, and then actually visited with, um, uh, Senator Sinema's staff as well. Um, and I think as, time goes on uh people are reading the bill um and that's pretty important to see yeah. what the actual impacts are right. uh when when this methane tax was rolled out it was news to even the epa um and so the epa is is working to kind of crunch the numbers on what it would look like for them to become a tax collection agency uh it's <laughs> the same with the irs now the irs is uh you, you know the um uh, they have a hard enough time uh, calculating our, our, our taxes and doing audits, but now they're going to monitor bank transactions uh, uh, over $600. I, I mean, at, at a certain point, um, uh, the campaigners uh, run out of ideas, and, and it's incumbent upon uh, those in elected office to actually start governing. And, and they start looking at these campaign proposals and see that they don't work. And uh, I, I, we're very grateful. We express this to Senator Manchin uh, that, that we, we appreciate him standing strong for America's oil and natural gas producers and also the coal producers in his state. I mean, it, again, we have a role to play in meeting the world's energy needs. Um, but if it's just going to be uh, trying to shut you down uh, and trying to throw more money at, at China, uh, or, or at uh, countries in Africa to generate the lithium and the cobalt uh, and the solar panels, um, and and they and they don't work sometimes. I mean that's just the bottom line. You need natural gas as a backstop uh, for these types of technologies. But if you don't have the natural gas, if you're begging Russia or you're begging OPEC um, uh, to be your backstop, that that's a recipe for disaster. And I think we have uh, finally figured that out um, in understanding that 
the Biden administration is actually now moving towards the whole OPEC plus asking them to open the spigots now. They're going to provide uh, more uh, barrels of oil to countries in Asia, but they're actually now uh, open to talking to uh, oil and gas producers to figure out, hey, how do we get out of this? I think that now that uh, we are that the consumers are so angry that they're paying so much more at the pump, they're paying so much more at the grocery stores, there's no infrastructure uh, that's happening out there. Uh, a lot of the shelves at the grocery store either don't have food products or they're way, way, way higher. The American people are waking up that energy is not really a choice. We need it all. And and we need to allow, I think, uh, our best and brightest operators to do their job and to show the rest of the world how we can show them how to do it right, do it green, and also lower the emissions. And um, it seems like maybe the uh, Biden administration is is open to it. And I've got Barry now telling me, wind it up. Um, guys, <laughs> <laughs> these live shows go so fast. They go too fast. They yeah. go too fast, and we love what we do. But um, on, on behalf of the Alliance, Jason, thank you for coming in uh, every month and talking to us and helping us understand what's happening in the world of oil and gas. Uh, people who are listening should really join your association, but that is all the time we have. So thank you guys so much for joining us on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.